0: Steve's first boss was a man called Nolan Bushnell. So whenever Steve decided to start his own business, he gave Nolan the opportunity of investing in it. He offered Nolan a third of the company for $50,000. Now, Nolan, he had the cash, but he decided not to invest. Nolan's company is no longer going today, but Steve's is. It's called Apple. Apple you may have heard of it. Last year, Apple was worth £767 billion. Apple was the first trillion dollar company. Nolan missed out, didn't he? He missed out on a fortune. Peter Thornley is a retired teacher from Devon. Along with thousands of other people, he invested money in a savings account hosted by London Capital and Finance. These were the best savings rates around, and this seemed like a brilliant investment. What did Phil not know? What did lots and lots of people not know? This company were not authorized to have savings accounts. The company went bust within a matter of months, and everything was completely worthless. In a BBC interview a couple of months ago, he said this, All of a sudden, 35 years of savings had gone in a couple of months. Another man in the same article said this, I am devastated. I feel a complete fool. I was completely taken in by the marketing. What seemed like a really good investment, it ended up being worthless. Now, this morning, you may not realize it. But this morning, as you sit here, you are all investors, Each and every one of you have been given a life by God, and this morning as you sit here with this life that God has given you, you have to make the choice as to how you're going to invest it. God has given you time this morning, a certain amount of years to live, a certain amount of years left, and this morning you have to choose how you're going to invest that time. This morning, God has given you talents, abilities, skills. It's amazing looking out this morning because I know that you are gifted, gifted people. Some of you are brilliant organizers. Some of you are brilliant cooks and chefs. Some of you are brilliant relationship builders. Some of you are fantastic encouragers. Some of you are brilliant at DIY. Some of you are superb at caring for children, but each and every one of you, God has given you skills and abilities and talents you have to choose how you're going to invest those. God has also given you treasure. He's given you income from a job or from a pension. He's given you income maybe from the government. He's given you a home to live in. He's given you food to eat. He's given you clothes to wear. And to some of you, God has given more treasure than he has to others. Maybe you've got savings. Maybe you've got investments. Maybe you've got second homes. Maybe you've got multiple cars. But for each of us here this morning, God has given us all treasure, and we have to choose how we're going to invest it. God has given us all life this morning. He's given us all time. He's given us all talents. He's given us all treasure, and we must choose how we invest it. And this morning, there, there are lots of things we could invest our lives in, aren't there? We could invest it in gaining friends or contacts or relationships. We could play the game with our lives. Whoever dies with the most friends wins. Or we could invest our lives in seeing the world, seeing every country there is to see, playing the person who dies having had the most holidays wins. Or we could invest our lives gaining as many qualifications as humanly speaking as possible. Whoever dies with the most academic success wins. We could play the game where we have the best career we could have. Playing the game, whoever dies up the highest up the highest career ladder wins. We can invest our lives getting as many experiences as possible. Whoever dies with the longest bucket list wins. We can invest our lives partying as much as possible. Whoever dies having had the most fun wins. You see, this morning as we sit here, the the, 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 the options of how we invest our lives are limitless. The options of what we do with our lives are limitless. There, there are lots of things we could invest in. But here's a question. What is the best investment we could make? What is the best investment that we could make with our time on our talents and our treasure and our lives? Well, let's say this morning you had a lot of money and you wanted to invest it in something. My guess is you wouldn't try to work out what they invested in yourselves. No, my guess is that if you had a, a lot of money to invest, you would go and you'd see a financial advisor. Why? In, in case you made a poor investment. Why? So that you would know the best investment to make. Well, this morning as you sit here with lives to invest, The good news is that Jesus helps us work out how best to invest our lives. This morning, we've all come into the office of Jesus, the financial advisor. We've come in this morning to his office with our lives. And this morning, we're going to ask him from this text, how should we best invest them? Now, Jesus, like a good financial advisor, does something very good at the start. And he tells us what not to invest our lives in. What should we not invest our lives in? Well, something that lots of people do. Something that maybe everybody does. Jesus says that we should not invest our lives in storing up for ourselves treasures on earth. Have a look at verse 19. It's very clear. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal This is what many people live for today, don't they? They live to accumulate more and more and more stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong with having stuff. Everything we have is from God. It's not wrong to have wealth. It's not wrong to have possessions. But we live in a world today where we want to pile these up, where we want to have more and more and more excess to the point where our clothes don't get worn. And our money is never used. In our world today, many people are playing the game, whoever dies with the most stuff wins. That's the purpose of many people's lives, to store up more and more and more and stockpile it up so that at the end of the day, they have lots and lots of stuff. But Jesus says to us, that is not a good investment of your life. Do not live for this. Don't give your lives simply to store up more and more and more treasure on earth. Well, you might be listening to Jesus and thinking, well, why not, Jesus? Why not? That's what everyone else is doing. Everyone else is just living to get more. Why should I not? Well, Jesus, like a good financial advisor, gives us four reasons why this is a terrible investment of our lives. And the first reason he gives us is that earthly treasures will eventually get destroyed. Have a look at verse 19. That's where they see this. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. Why not? Where moth and rust destroy, they'll be destroyed. I want you to imagine a sculptor gets up to go to work. He gets up at 5 a.m. and he goes to work to do his sculpting. And that day, he's been assigned the task of sculpting a magnificent castle, a big castle with intricate detail. And this sculptor, he works from six in the morning, he leaves at five, he gets there at six, and he works until seven o'clock at night. And he stands back at the end of his day's work, and he looks and he sees this wonderful, wonderful sand castle that he has made and then the tide comes in and the tide just sweeps it all away can you see how worthless that has been how how pointless it has been he's invested it all in this and it's all been destroyed and whenever you think about it that's what ultimately happens to all of the stuff we accumulate All of the stuff that we pile up beyond what we need, all of the excess, it's going to eventually be destroyed. It could even be destroyed while we have it and are using it. We might write off the Ferrari we buy. (laughs) If only we could buy a Ferrari we couldn't, but if only we could we could write it off, couldn't we? Our house it could burn down. We could make a hole in our most expensive suit, trousers. In our lifetime, possessions can be destroyed in an instant. But eventually they'll be destroyed anyway, won't they? I know of no homes still standing that were built a thousand years ago. All of the stuff that you accumulate will eventually be destroyed and worthless. This morning, I want to encourage you not to invest your lives in just getting more and more stuff more and more stuff that doesn't even make you happy, it's going to be destroyed one day. It's not a good investment of your life. He also gives us another reason, and that's reason number two. He says that earthly treasure can also be taken from us. Again, we see that in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and thieves break in and steal Another reason not to just live for excess is because it can be easily taken from us. And some of us know this firsthand, don't we? We have had the, the awful experience of being burgled and our treasures stolen. But folks, even, even if your stuff doesn't get stolen from you in this life, one day it will be taken from you. In fact, more accurately, One day you'll be taken from it. I think it's amazing, the Egyptian pyramids. It's amazing whenever you go in there to the tombs of these pharaohs, and and in these tombs are just masses and masses of stuff. Gold and and cups and jewelry and, and all of this beautiful ornate stuff. And why is it in there? It's in there because the pharaohs thought that they'd need it for the afterlife. The pharaohs thought that if they're buried with it, it would follow them ahead to the next world. But it didn't. They left it behind them. And one day, folks, all of our stuff will be left behind. One day, everything that we have worked so hard to accumulate and stockpile all of the excess stuff we have, we'll have to leave it behind. It will be no use to us in the world to come. So Jesus says that's another reason it could be taken away from you or you, could be, you will be taken away from it. Why else should we not live for this thing? Why else should we not make getting stuff the main thing we do with our lives? Why on earth should we not live for this? Well, again, Jesus gives us a third reason. Uh, And this reason is a little bit more tricky to see, but it's what verses 22 and 23 are about, and I'll explain it in a minute. But the reason is this. If we live to get treasure on earth, if we live to pile up excess for ourselves, if we live to get more and more stuff, it'll make us into people we do not want to be. It will make us into people we do not want to be. And that's what these strange verses are about. If you take a look at verse 22, Jesus says, your eye, that's the thing that you see with. Your eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, the eyes are what we see. The eyes are what we see the world with. And what it was believed is that the things that we set our eyes on, and this is what Jesus is getting at, the things that we set our eyes on in life affect our insides the things that we set our sights on affect our whole lives. And what Jesus is getting at here is that if we have our eyes on just getting more and more and more stuff, if as we live life, that is all we're focused on, if we're blinkered on that one thing, if that is what we live for, it's going to affect our whole being. And it's going to make us into people that we do not want to be. I'm sure you know people and they're all about stuff. I'm sure you know people and and you can think of them in your mind and all they live for is stuff to get more and more and more and more. Do you know people like that? That's the main thing in their life. Let me ask you a few questions about them. Are they generous or are they stingy? Do they give freely or do they give reluctantly? Are they good at hoarding stuff or good at sharing it? Do they lend easily or do they not lend because they're fearful they won't get it back? Are they content or are they envious of what others have who have more than them? Are they content or do they covet what others have? You see it, don't you? those who live for the money, those who live for stuff, those who live to get more and more and more and more, it makes them people that I don't think they'd like to be. And Jesus says to us, don't live for this because it'll turn you into someone who you will want to be and it'll turn you into somebody who I don't want you to be. I want you to lend. I want you to give. I want you to, to freely help others. I want you to be generous. Don't live for this. And a fourth reason, which I think is probably the most important reason why we can't live for this, according to Jesus, is because if we live to get stuff, if if money and wealth and hoarding and and getting more and more and more becomes our focus in life, it'll pull us away from God. Jesus, I I love him because he's so blunt. And see how blunt he is in verse 24? He says, no one can serve two masters. Masters. Either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then look how blunt this is. You cannot serve both God and money. It is impossible. It's impossible, he says. And Jesus is saying this out of love. He's saying this because what he doesn't want for his disciples is for them to live their lives and get pulled away from God by following after money and wealth and possession. And again, we see this, don't we? We have a God who calls us to live for him. But yet there are many people and they end up living for more and more stuff. We have a God and and he offers us security. He offers to give us what we need and he offers satisfaction in him. And yet we know people who have decided not to trust God but to trust money and wealth for that. We have a God, and what does He promise us? He says that He will give our life meaning. He'll give us purpose. He'll give us something to live for. But what do you see? We see people turning away from that because they believe that money will give them those things. We have a God who promises us forever happiness. He promises us an eternity of happiness. who even promises now that we'll find joy in Him. But people who set their eyes on money, they reject that and hope to try to find it in money, which never really makes them happy in the end. God says that he will give us value. God says that he will give us a sense of worth. And yet people who live up for money and for stuff and to stockpile more and more and more, they try to find it in that. See, you can't do both. And Jesus knows you can't do both. He knows that nobody can. And so he lovingly says to his first disciples, and he lovingly says to us, don't get sucked into living for stuff. Don't get sucked into it. Because it will pull you from God eventually. And the money and the stuff and all of that that you get, it'll never give you what God can. I think Jesus gets his point across pretty well, doesn't he? As tempting as it might be, even though lots of people are doing it, do not invest your life storing up more and more and more for yourself on earth. Don't spend your life playing the game whoever dies with the most stuff wins. We get it, don't we? Now, if Jesus had just told us what not to invest in, he wouldn't be a particularly good advisor. But like a good financial advisor, he doesn't leave us in the dark, but he also tells us what we should invest our lives in. What he does next is he tells us the best investment we can make with our time and our talents and our treasures. And what does he say the best investment we can make is? He says the best investment we can make is storing up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Look again at verse 19. He says, don't invest in storing up treasures in earth, but then look at verse 20. But, so instead of this, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus says to his followers, don't lay up treasure on earth, but do lay it up in heaven. Because you see, when you lay up treasure in heaven, it can't be destroyed. You'll have it forever and nobody can take it that is safe and secure for you to enjoy for all eternity. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Now, what is that treasure in heaven? I'm not quite sure. Jesus doesn't give us an answer. But I can think of some things it might be. I can think of some things it might be. Imagine you fund a missionary... With your treasure. You give to someone working out, I don't know, in Africa. Can you imagine the treasure of maybe tens or twenties or thirties of African men and women and children running to you and saying, Thank you so much. And you're looking at them going, What for? And they say, For funding that missionary. Because you gave to him, I heard the gospel. Can you imagine that treasure? Or maybe it's your time or your talents. Do you know, some of you here, you teach KGB. And some weeks you leave and you go home and you bang your head against the wall thinking, did they actually take anything in? Can you imagine the treasure of heaven whenever the one of these children as an adult comes up to you and they say to you, do you know what? I'm here because everything you taught me as a child stuck with me. Everything you told me as a child, it stuck with me. And I'm here because you invested in me. I don't know what the treasure is, but can you imagine investing in this church? Can you imagine investing your your treasure into this church so that we can stay alive and reach out to this community with the gospel? Can you imagine people from this area coming up to you in heaven and saying, because you gave, that church were able to reach out to me and I came to faith through it. I'm here because of your generosity. I don't know what the treasure in heaven is exactly. But for me, those would be treasures enough. For me, those would be treasures enough. So how do we invest and storing up treasure in heaven. How do we actually store up treasure in heaven? We're not quite sure what it is, but how do we do it? I'm not really into movies, and I don't really remember much about movies, so don't ask me anything about films because I'm hopeless. But there was a line in one film, the film Gladiator, and whenever I heard it, it lodged in my heart. Whenever I heard it, I never, ever forgot it because it lodged within my mind. Maximus, the main character, he's got his army together. And they're about to go and ride out into battle. And in this battle, there is a very good chance they're all going to die. And here's what he says to his men. What we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. And I think this sums up exactly how we store up treasure in heaven. We live our lives in light of eternity. We do things in this life that will echo in eternity. We spend our time, we use our talents, we give our money to things that will have an eternal impact. We invest in things that will be seen in heaven. This morning, I want to encourage you. Live the rest of your life in such a way that it will echo in eternity. I don't know how much time you've got left. I don't know how much time I've got left. But use it, that it will have an impact in eternity. I don't know what talents you've got, but you've got lots of them. I want to encourage you to use those in such a way that it will echo in eternity. I don't know what your financial situation is. I don't know what treasure you have. But use it to echo in eternity. John Piper, a pastor who I greatly admire, writes a book, and it's called this, Don't Waste Your Life. Don't waste your life. And folks, this morning, I want to encourage you, whatever you've got, use it to store up treasure in heaven. I want to close by reading some stanzas from a poem by a man called C.T. Studd. And the first time I heard this poem, The words of it lodged in my mind and in my heart, and it had a great impact on me. And this morning, my hope is that as I read it to you, it will impact you too. Let me read it to you. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life. Will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life, it will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice. Gently pleads for a better choice. Bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life, it will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a brief few years. Each with its burdens, hopes and fears. Each with its clays I must fulfill. Living for self or in his will. Only one life, will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow thy word to keep, faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing you in my daily life. Only one life, t'will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. Yes, only one. Now let me say, Thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say, 'twas worth it all. Only one life. It will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you.